Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Monday, April 3rd, just a couple of weeks remaining in the NHL's regular season, and things are getting spicy. Welcome into Daily Faceoff Live, streaming live on the Daily Faceoff YouTube, where we just hit 5,000 subscribers. If you got a question, you can toss it into the chat there, and we might get into it later. I'm Tyler Rumjack. He's our NHL insider, Frank Saravalli. Frank, how was your weekend? It was good. It was quiet. Uh, first weekend that I can remember in a while. We had no kids' activities on the schedule. Nice to just chill out and sit on the couch for a change. Yeah, that uh, that sounds excellent. I don't have kids, so every weekend is like that for me, Frank. <laughs> Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and dig into what we saw this weekend from the Western Conference. We'll have more on the East a little bit later on, and our pal Rob Rossi is going to stop by for a chat as well. But the Winnipeg Jets, they had about as good of a weekend as you did, Frank, picking up a couple of big wins a couple dominant victories as well one of which came with josh morrissey out of the lineup this felt like maybe a bit of a statement for the jets that they finally awoken from their mid-season slumber it comes about a week after rick bonus called out the team as well this weekend frank is it just a blip or is this a sign that the jets are back i feel like it's closer to saying that they're back than it is to say that it's a blip and i think what i'm most impressed about the jets and their weekend is that they were willing to do things a little bit differently. You mentioned Josh Morrissey being out, but for me, it was also the way that Rick Bonus threw the lines in a blender on Friday night. And so you see Mark Scheifele playing on the wing for the first time in I don't know how long. And basically the way that he got into it was the message from Rick Bonus to Mark Scheifele was just try this. And if it doesn't work out, well, then we'll change it back. And it's kind of like the same conversation that I have with my kids about trying a new food. You know, if you don't like it, you can just spit it out. That's all. And that's all that happens here. And instead, they liked it. Mark Scheifele goes to the wing. He gets on the scoreboard for the first time in 10 games. Blake Wheeler gets on the scoreboard for the first time in 22 games. So some significant skids broken, which is really important for this team's psyche. And it's not just, you know, you know, beating the Detroit Red Wings. Sure, one thing. But then picking up another win this weekend to me and in blowout fashion against the New Jersey Devils, well, that was a statement of a different kind. So the Jets have had an incredible opportunity on their hands, Tyler, in these last few weeks to really put everyone else out of their misery. They blew that. And a team like the Calgary Flames is still very much alive. And we'll talk about them in a second. But 
if the Winnipeg Jets do what they need to do, it's not going to matter what the Calgary Flames do. And they took a big step forward in that direction over this weekend. Yeah, it was something. I want to give a little bit of love to a guy in Nikolai Ehlers. 35 points in 41 games, Frank, and he had four points over the weekend. I don't know if he's their MVP. It's obviously Connor Hellebuck in that category, but in terms of being the straw that kind of stirs the drink offensively, I wonder if we maybe don't give Ehlers enough credit from an outsider perspective because when he's there, that top six looks very different. Yeah, and look, when he's healthy, he's such a game-breaker. I think one of the most underrated players in the league um, he's got the high-end skill. He's got a bit of edge to him, I think, when he plays the right way. And for me, um, you know, you see Kyle Connor as well hit 30 goals for the fifth straight season. If the Jets get in and if they play like they did through the first three to four months of the season, I think they're a really dangerous team with Connor Hellebuck in net. But it's the sort of wonky Jets that we've seen since January 24th not playing well defensively for a stretch. They didn't get the goaltending. Then the offense ran dry. There were a lot of things sort of conspiring against the Jets in the last number of weeks that it feels like they connected and were finally firing on all cylinders. It's felt like a bit of a roller coaster ride in the Western Conference with the Jets and Flames almost being in lockstep. When one gets hot, the other one's getting hot. When they're both, when one's cold, the other one's cold as well. And the Flames followed in the footsteps of the Winnipeg Jets and had themselves a pretty solid weekend as well. It's now four straight victories for Calgary, points in eight of their last 10. And last night, and it really looked like it was going to be the nail in their coffin, trailing to the Anaheim Ducks in the third period. But they get a pair of goals from Stone and Lucic, and they turn things around, get the victory. And now they're still in the hunt. Frank, is this Flames team catching fire at just the right time? It certainly looks like that. And, and what I liked from the Flames this weekend, I, I spent a long time thinking about it and debating which team had the more impressive weekend. Was it the Jets or the Flames? And to me... It was the Flames in the sense that they showed they have a heartbeat. They showed they have a pulse. They showed they actually have some heart. Uh, it kind of feels like the Grinch conversation that we're having here. Does the Grinch actually have a heart? Does Daryl Sutter have a heart? We're not sure on either of those two things. However, the way that the Flames battled back heading into Friday night's game, 0-18-3, and this season when trailing after two periods. We all know the story about the blown leads. We know the story of the Flames' record in one-goal games. But 0-18-3 when trailing after two periods, and now after this weekend, it's 2-18-3. Heck of a time for the Calgary Flames to find that little extra gear, knowing that their backs are against the wall. I still have some real doubts about their ability to get into the playoffs, but they've made it far more interesting than I thought they would. And part of that is the Jets have also made it far more interesting than I thought they would. But the Flames kind of finally showed me something for a team that has struggled with confidence. It has struggled stringing things together. You see the key here for the Flames is they've now won four games in a row. That's a season high. They had won three in a row twice back in October. And I think it was early November, but it's been a long time since they've had a winning streak like this. And that's exactly the type of effort that they're going to need if they're going to get in. Also for the Flames, shout out to the loser point as well, because they have lost more games than they've won so far this season. But with 15 extra points scooped up, they are still in the race. And I got two words for you when it comes to the next week in the Western Conference. 
giddy up because we have some big, big matchups over the next seven, eight days here. This Wednesday, the Flames are in Winnipeg. On Saturday, the Preds are in Winnipeg. And then next Monday, I mean, it could if things kind of stay the same throughout this week. That game next Monday could be like last chance Texaco for both Nashville and Calgary. Yeah, it feels like it's all going to come down to Wednesday. It's a back-to-back for the Flames. If they can take care of business against the Chicago Blackhawks on Tuesday, and then they fly into Winnipeg on Wednesday, if they can somehow beat the Jets in that head-to-head matchup, they're going to be in the driver's seat, I think, uh, in terms of securing that final spot. The Jets' schedule is a little bit harder. The Flames is a little bit easier. Uh, Four very, very winnable games after that one coming down the stretch for the Calgary Flames. Let's head out east and talk about another injury between the pipes for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Matt Murray specifically going down in their game against the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, This has been a common theme for them. Matt Murray really struggling to stay healthy in his first season with Toronto. I mean, you look at the two numbers here. Ilya Samsonov has been miles better than Matt Murray as well. But still, you know, when we talked about this on the show over the last couple of weeks, and even with Mike McKenna, it was kind of like, ah, you're not sure who's going to end up being the playoff starter for this team. There was always talk that, no, they'd like to get Matt Murray going for that run. I mean, even if he is healthy at this point, Frank, I don't know how you can trust him, how you can sit there and say, no, we're going to run with you through a seven-game series when I don't know if he stayed on his feet for seven games at all this season. Samsonov with the better numbers. I think he's got to be the guy. Do you think the Leafs can trust Samsonov in a playoff series, or is this still something where we're going to be talking over the next couple weeks about what they're going to do between the pipes? He's all they got. This is going to sound like a hot take, but I promise you that it really isn't. I think the Matt Murray injury is a blessing in disguise for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now you know that it's Ilya Samsonov's crease to run with, and we're all assuming at this point, given that Murray was evaluated for a concussion, that he's probably on the shelf for seven days to two weeks, that you know Samsonov now has the ball that he can run with it, that it's his crease, that there is no Matt Murray hanging over his shoulder, and it's all going to come down to how Ilya Samsonov plays. I mean... This would be, if he misses multiple weeks, the, the third time this regular season alone that Matt Murray has been on the shelf for two weeks or more. And when you look at Sam Sonoff, it's not just been the consistency. And I think everyone was kind of holding their breath at, as he came up lame at times, being pressed into action on Sunday, is just this idea that just look at their numbers. I, I know that the Leafs are sort of infatuated about the idea of can Matt Murray get hot? Look at his pedigree. He's got two Stanley Cups. Uh, that he's won and etched his name onto in large part because of his play. I I find the injury part, dependability and reliability are two giant abilities when it comes to the Stanley Cup playoffs and winning. But it's also the actual ability itself to play goal once you're in net. The seven games that Matt Murray has played since coming back from his last injury, 880 save percentage. The seven games that Ilya Samsonov has played in that same stretch of time, a 9.15 save percentage. It's not even really a discussion. It's not even really close. And I think if you ripped the name bars off of the jersey, I think you'd have a hard time convincing me that if push came to shove in the Stanley Cup playoffs, that Joe Wall is not a better option in net than Matt Murray if Samsonov were to go down with injury. So that would be the pecking order for me moving forward. It's look. Great that you have that history, but you need to actually be upright in order to be successful. And Matt Murray has proven time and time and time again that he can't stay upright. 
And speaking of injuries and the Leafs, I mean, Ryan O'Reilly's missed a chunk of time now. They've been trying to walk the balance on their blue line of getting guys reps and also resting pieces. This team has not felt the same since Kyle Dubas made all of those big moves ahead of the trade deadline. Frank, if you were the Leafs, would you be resting any players? Would you be focusing on that? Or is this a team that, even though there's nothing to play for standings-wise, actually probably needs to start taking some steps in the right direction here. Like maybe these final five, six games of the regular season are more important than we think they are. Yeah, I think they're actually going to mean something the last two to three games for a chemistry perspective. Getting O'Reilly back at a certain point is going to be critical. I think he's the X factor to their playoffs. But, you know, it's all about how you fit and that comfortability too that is going to matter. So, um, I, it's not just limited to the forwards. I think you want to get your D pairs right, and you want to make sure these are the six guys that we're rolling into the playoffs with for game one, round one. And oh, by the way, as the Leafs are trying to figure all of this out, it seems like the Tampa Bay Lightning have woken up a little bit here. Andre Vasilevsky, two shutouts in his last three games. The Bolts have won three straight and have outscored their opponents 14-1 to during that stretch. So... As we look at the only playoff matchup that's actually officially locked in and set in stone now over the weekend, man, it starts to just get more interesting and more interesting the way you look at it. Yeah, we got some questions in the chat about that matchup we might get to a little bit later. Uh, let's talk about the playoff race, though, in the Eastern Conference. I mean, talked about in the West, Calgary and Winnipeg have felt like they've both been going up and down at the same time. And if the Eastern Conference playoff race was a roller coaster, you got a bit of everything going on. Some teams going for loops, some teams taking nosedives, and then as one takes a nosedive, one shoots right back up. It felt like at this time last week, Frank, we were like, oh, well, Panthers are dead. No playoffs in Florida. And then they go rattle off three in a row. And the Islanders, who looked like they had a spot locked up, have now lost two in a row. And things are flip-flopping like crazy. Here's what we got over the weekend. Penguins got a split. The Panthers won both. And the Islanders lost both. Meaning that, hey, if Florida wins their game in hand, they're going to move into a tie with the Islanders. And if they win their game in hand in regulation, they're going to jump ahead of the Islanders because they would then hold the tiebreaker. Are the Islanders legitimately in danger of missing here, Frank? Do you think this is a possibility? Yeah, I think that's what this weekend taught us is the New York Islanders are way more vulnerable than I might have imagined or realized. Part of it's because the Panthers have gotten their act together a little bit. And part of it's because... I still don't really know what to make of the New York Islanders. Like you look at their lineup and, you know, it's hard for me to really count them out because Ilya Sorokin, you know, I think is such a game changer. But at the same time, like these are critical games and, and their schedule isn't all that daunting going down the stretch. But these are critical games that this team has dropped at a time when the Panthers sort of kind of are feeling their way through the process. Here's what I'll say, and Rob Rossi will talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins in just a second, more detail. I have a hard time envisioning, especially after the way this weekend played out, that the Penguins are going to be on the outside looking in when it's all said and done. They kind of, they're a tease. They do just enough to sort of get by. And, you know, you look at this weekend, you lose to the Bruins, then against the Flyers, slow start, and then they figure it out and stave off a, a sort of third period comeback. Uh, against the Flyers. And so they hang on to split and you're like, okay, they're veteran savvy and all the different things that they do, I think is going to be enough that separates them. And then to me, that boils us down to Islanders and, and Panthers, who gets in. I still lean Islanders based on the goaltending and Sorokin, but again, the Panthers have sort of made this really interesting. 
Yeah, and it's pretty crazy that in an 82 game season, it's all going to come down to what happens in the next two weeks here. And for the Islanders, they only have four games remaining as well. So it'll be interesting to see how this roller coaster ends up playing out in the Eastern Conference. Uh, three teams still in the hunt for two spots. It's just so great, Frank, before we get to Rob Rossi, just as a whole. Last year, there just wasn't any of this. And I think it's so good for the sport that the final two weeks are really going to mean something here. Yeah, this is what you want. This is what you hope for when the season starts is make it juicy, make it interesting. I wish there were more teams in the mix. I wish there were five teams that were sort of right there and able to get in. But, you know, we'll take uh, three going for two spots in both conferences any day of the week compared to what we had last year. Yeah, if you want to have some fun, go look at the standings and imagine what things could look like if the NHL expanded and had an NBA-style play-in tournament as well. But that's a conversation for a whole different day. Let's dig into things with the Pittsburgh Penguins and welcome in our friend Rob Rossi. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. You can find his work at The Athletic. You can find him on Twitter at Real underscore Rob Rossi. Always a pleasure to welcome him into the show. And we just kind of gave our thoughts on the Eastern Conference playoff race, Rob. But digging into the Penguins specifically, what is one thing or maybe an X factor that they really need to have dialed in in these final five games if they're going to get into the playoffs? Wow, that's a good question. I, I don't know that they have any X factors, to be perfectly honest. They're a team that pretty much wins games because of their top six and Chris Letang. Everything else is pretty uh, dispensable in Pittsburgh. But um, sometimes that's enough, and they have they have three final games uh, against uh, their um, at Detroit, home to Chicago, and then at Columbus. I think they need to go into those games as – in in one of the playoff spots because I don't trust them to win three in a row. Um, they this week they're at New Jersey and they're home to Minnesota. There would kind of be a poetic justice if they lost in regulation to Jersey and then Mark Andre Fleury came back to Pittsburgh and put a real nail in their coffin on Thursday. But uh, one thing I think that's probably in their favor is um, their best player Sidney Crosby. Even though he's only has four goals in his last I think uh, eleven or. 14 games. I forget what the number is. He's playing better uh, the last couple games, and he usually comes through in these big moments. But um, as I was saying to somebody the other day, gentlemen, 
The Penguins are a period-to-period team at best. Often they're a shift-to-shift team. So trying to forecast anything for them is, is sort of futile this year. They're just a um, they're a poorly constructed team that doesn't have the advantages they used to outside of those you know those seven players I mentioned. Yeah, Rob. One of the advantages that they do have is Chris Letang. His celebration for a thousand games on Sunday, uh, pretty momentous achievement for a guy that's really dealt with a lot. Uh, when you consider that he's been in the league for 16 full years, he's almost missed four full entire seasons worth of hockey with all the injuries that have piled up. What was uh, the emotion like from Latang? How much did this mean to him? And, and what does this mean to this Penguins team that you know really revolves around Latang, Malkin, and Crosby? Means a lot, Frank. You know, I've been there for all for all of this with Latang, Crosby, and Malkin, and I was I was lucky enough, even with the COVID, to be there for all three of their 1,000th games. Uh, Latang and Crosby did it at home. Crosby didn't have any fans. Uh, Malkin did it on the road uh, in Chicago earlier this year. Latang's felt different. Uh, I think there's just a sense of everything he's been through. I mean, you think about it. Um, loses his best friend during his first trip to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2008 when Luke Boudreaux. Uh, um, died in that uh, motorcycle accident. Um, you know, he's um, him and his wife have lost a child. People forget that. He's had two strokes. He's had migraines throughout his career, multiple concussions, um, lost his dad this year. I mean, I don't know that I know anybody that could take on more than two of those things and sort of rebound in life. Latang somehow does it and still plays 25 minutes a night of really high-end hockey. Um, he's a remarkable man of high character. Um, and I think tonight felt like something even different than Crosby and Malkin. I think part of that's because when Crosby and Malkin came into the league, there was kind of this assumption that those guys were going to be all-time great players for the Penguins. Latang was a third-round pick. Um, he had high expectations because the talent was there. But, you know, this is a guy that's had enormous struggles. And to get this mark of 1,000 games, especially when it looked like they might not bring him back, um, last year. Um, this meant a lot to the Penguins. Uh, this meant a lot to Latang. Um, I think in a way it kind of took some sails out of their wind out of their sails, excuse me, to start the game. They denied that, but, uh, I just felt like they were so into the ceremony honoring him Sunday that that might be one of the reasons they had the slow start though. It's tough to say, cause I mean, slow starts in Pittsburgh are like sort of donuts and sports writers. We just go hand in hand. Uh, and I, I love what you pointed out there as well. It's not just a guy who's a feel-good story and is riding it out on the third pairing or is just staying in the lineup because he's a feel-good story. This guy played 30 minutes the other night. That is absolutely insane. Uh, circling back to the team in the final five games here, Rob, how big of a storyline will goaltending be? I mean, you look at the numbers. Jari has been a little bit better on the season as a whole, but is, again, kind of almost similar to Matt Murray. He struggled with injuries at points this season. What is uh, Mike Sullivan going to do between the pipes? Is this Tristan Jari's crease or is it truly still up for grabs? It's Tristan Jari's crease as long as he can move side to side and get up and down. But the problem is it's a sort of, again, it's a period, period to thing there. I mean, um, what he's dealing with, he's had three separate injuries this year. Um, I think we all believe it's dealing with some sort of hip uh, ailment that's contributing to these injuries. And, um, you know, Jari just hasn't been healthy since when he first got injured in the Winter Classic against um the Boston Bruins and um he's been uh, he, he hasn't been somebody you can depend on to, to to have the most important ability which is availability 
And uh, they're going to, I think they probably need him for these final five games. I would guess he would be the starter for the final five games. Uh, but, you know, again, I mean, we've seen Tristan Jari go into the crease. Uh, he's been pulled four times in the last four weeks from games. I mean, we've seen him go into the crease and in certain games just look like he's not able to do the basic things you would need a goaltender to do. It's been very frustrating for the Penguins because they don't really have a sense of which guy they're going to get uh, every day that he shows shows up to the rink. It's why I've been writing and, and saying that it was a gross error, one of many, I believe, by this management team to depend on Jari and Casey DeSmith again this season when you had sort of been let down by that tandem in two consecutive postseasons, whether because of performance or injury. Um, now it's kind of a combination of performance and injury that's put the Penguins in a precarious situation. And they often play like a team that chases chances because they don't feel like their goaltenders can make enough stops. Um, and they're not the most disciplined defensive team to begin with. So I think it's going to be all about goaltending these final five games. It will be fascinating to watch this group down the stretch. Rob, appreciate your time. I always enjoy your coverage as well. Thanks for hopping on the show today. Take care, gentlemen. Have a good one. Moving along to our daily face-off inbox question, hashtag AskDFO. And Frank, I want one word to describe what we saw from Alex Ovechkin over the weekend. And with the season lost for the Washington Capitals, uh, Ovi kind of lost his top a little bit here, going hard after Barkley Goudreau before eventually being given a misconduct. So give us one word to describe the Ovechkin outburst. Epic? I don't know. I just enjoyed it. Like, I love the fire and I... I heard the broadcast, they were basically saying like, oh, maybe this is some frustration boiling over from a season that's sort of lost for this Washington Capitals team. They entered the year with expectations, ended up at the deadline trading so many players away, and Ovi's not going to get a shot in the playoffs at another Stanley Cup. And so, I don't know, I just enjoy seeing the fire out of Alex Ovechkin, who's never really had any shortage of it. He's always played with it, but I don't think it's ever really manifested itself in this way directly. Yeah, my word would maybe be microcosm because that really felt like what it was, a microcosm for the season. So frustrating on so many fronts for the Capitals when you talk about how many injuries they had to go through. I mean, losing a guy like a John Carlson for as long as they did, not having Nicholas Backstrom to start the year. I can imagine for Ovi, that would just drive him nuts. And then again, to have so many close losses, moments where it felt like you were getting right back into it, then you fall out. Just uh, a really frustrating year in Washington. We had one from the Daily Faceoff YouTube as well for Frank, uh, someone wanted to know if you were setting the line between the Leafs and Bolts playoff series, who would you have as the favorite? Ooh. Um, I'm going to say I, I would set it at lightning minus 120. Okay. Which would basically make the Leafs even money. Mm -hmm. So pretty much as close to a toss-up as you can get. Uh, but I think the lightning especially with the way the last three games have gone. And you mentioned the way the Leafs have sort of uh, stumbled a bit. There hasn't been a lot for either side to play for, but I still give the edge every time to Vasilevsky and the Lightning defense that I, I just think that's where I'd set it right now. 
I'll take the cop-out answer. I think I'd have it at a pick of minus 110 on each side there. I just think it is going to be a really tight series, and I'd throw money on that thing going seven games once again when you look at the state of those two teams. Uh, three games on the ice tonight in the NHL, so I got a couple of plays for our daily bets, including one for the Vegas-Minnesota matchup, Frank, and I want to get your thoughts on these as well because I got two picks. You can get Minnesota at around minus 130 on the money line. I like them at home. They're coming off a loss to Vegas. I think this wild team is scrappy enough though that it's going to be really tough for the Golden Knights to beat them in back-to-back games and I'm also taking the Preds as plus 170 road dogs in Dallas taking on the Stars. Listen I know Dallas has been good on the season as a whole but they're five and five straight up in their last 10 games. The Predators yes struggling a little bit but I think they're going to give it one last push for the playoffs and get a big road win today. So Minnesota Nashville which one of those two do you like more? Uh, Minnesota. Fair enough. They are the favorites. Minus 130 at home in their matchup against Vegas. Uh, let's wrap By up the, the way, show. Oh. No, I was going to say, we talked on Friday about the Bruins having such a big um, advantage in the books. Minus 500 favorites. Did you sprinkle a little bit on the Blue Jackets like I suggested? And what would, you, what would your anticipation have been like uh, as the Blue Jackets oh. uh, went to OT? Yeah, that would have been quite the sweat if you had had the Blue Jackets at whatever, like plus 450 on the money line. There is something to be said, man. Whenever you see a line set that egregious in the NHL, that it's always, it's such a random sport. Yeah, that's, I've been saying that forever. Like if you can get in at plus 450 on any team in the league, any team can beat any team in this league any given night. Mm -hmm. Let's wrap up with a little garbage time, Frank. What stands out to you? Yeah, for me, it's Jonathan Taves working his way back into the Chicago Blackhawks lineup on Saturday. I know it was April Fool's Day, but it had to feel really good for Jonathan Taves. He's been through a lot this year with his body. Um, the long COVID and the effects of that have really hampered him in ways that I think we don't necessarily fully grasp or realize, saying some days are just difficult to get out of bed. I think we've all been there at varying points in our life with whatever illness. Hopefully, it's lasted just... 24 to 48 hours or whatever, and you're back on your feet. But it's one thing to be able to get out of bed, and it's another thing to go and be a professional athlete and play in an NHL game and try and put up numbers. And so the big question is, everyone wants to know, is this it for Jonathan Taves? I don't know the answer, but if this is it, there's so much to look back on. And I'll say what stands out to me from an individual perspective, of course, the team success, so impressive, three Stanley Cups, and truly a full trophy case and, and hardware to pick from for all of Jonathan Taves' accomplishments. But for me, it's one thing and one thing in particular. 2014 Sochi Olympics, there was actually a debate. If you were starting an NHL franchise, which player would you pick to start that team with, Sidney Crosby or Jonathan Taves? And so that just goes to show you that for a long stretch of time, Jonathan Taves is at the very peak of his uh, of his powers in the NHL, the pinnacle of of playing in the NHL. And if this is it, that's quite a legacy to leave. Yeah, he's won pretty much everything you could imagine winning in a hockey career and done it multiple times as well, which is just crazy. 34 years old. Yeah, this is the end. I mean, it's a guy who's going to be first ballot Hall of Fame, who's going to have a banner and a statue in Chicago one day, no doubt about it. Uh, before we wrap up, Frank, Birthday shout-outs. First off, happy 60th to my dad, Ross, whose birthday is today. And also to our boy, Bagged Milk, who, uh, I mean, I don't know. He's not hitting his expiration date yet, that old bag of milk. Uh, but he's getting up there. What would you get Bagged Milk for his birthday, Frank? 
Uh, I would get him a bottle of wine, something from Italy, because I know he's a wine. He's all about that red wine lifestyle. But here's what I'll say, Tyler. Now that you know that your dad and bagged milk have the same birthday, you can never, you should never be allowed to be fooled again when bagged milk just randomly told the internet that it was his birthday a few months back, which was not the case. Absolute fraud. But the fact that you were had with that is quite embarrassing. Yeah, that's uh, one of many embarrassing moments for me throughout this uh, hockey season, and I really hope those start coming to an end. Uh, anyways, that's going to be a wrap on today's show. Just three games in the NHL, but a couple of big ones. So enjoy watching those, and we'll be back tomorrow to break it all down at noon Eastern. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com. In the meantime, we'll chat tomorrow. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.